0: welcome along. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning. And Cork Corkin, good morning good to you. Good morning, dear. How are you? He's not wearing the red and green this <laughs> morning. Yes, yes. yes. Isn't that it? Yeah.
1: Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's
0: being washed and saved <laughs> yes, for tomorrow. It is,
1: it is. It is indeed. We're looking forward to it.
0: Yes, I know. We're not. We're going to defer football now, as we said, for about an hour. And we're going to focus really on gardening this morning because yeah. uh, although there is lots of excitement building up, there are still lots of people with questions and queries, it's great, and isn't obviously it? a huge amount of gardening going on, Porey.
1: And the weather is absolutely... I mean, 20 degrees, yeah, according
0: to that. And you can really feel the difference this morning. You can feel the heat today. And, yeah. and
1: right into next week, I think we're promised it up to Tuesday or Wednesday. So it's really, really great so gardening that, weather.
0: That, that, that prolonged growth we've been it seeing, is it's, it's, things aren't going to die just yet.
1: No, it's going to extend the growing season. Because uh, once the temperatures go below kind of 10, 8 to 10 degrees, the green pigment and chlorophyll starts to break down in plants. And normally you get that nice autumnal mm. colour. But with the sort of temperatures we're getting at the moment, plants are going to kick back into growth, <laughs> if any thing so um, but look at the weather's going to be ideal yeah. for again I suppose a lot as we said last week in terms of tidying, tidying up, up the garden yeah. and uh, you know just getting the lawn back in good condition I mean the lawns are still growing they'll need another uh, couple of weeks of, of trimming so the weather certainly the, the warm temperatures you're going to see some new growth on plants uh, but it's also going to be ideal weather for just getting the garden tidied up and for planting the spring bulbs and all of the sort of jobs we talked about uh, last week so Part. It's great to get it. It's okay. so lovely.
0: And, and, and hopefully it'll be here for at least a couple of days. Um, right, we want to talk though specifically to start the programme today about climbers. because well, there
1: were a huge amount of questions yeah. last week uh, about climbers and I suppose in particular you've got the beautiful Virginia creeper um, with that lovely scarlet red colour in the And very moment. much
0: in evidence at the minute. Really beautiful
1: mm. plant. And again, with this sort of weather you're going to get the leaves staying, the, the colours are going to intensify and the leaves are going to stay on the plant that little bit longer so it's going to be a really good autumn for autumn colour. Uh, but Virginia creeper the planting of climbing plants, this is the time of year, late September, early October soil conditions are still quite warm so the planting of any plants is ideal but particularly climbers and really the the main thing with putting in climbers is to prepare the soil very well because you're dealing with plants that are going to be there 30, 40, 50 years from now. So root preparation and soil preparation and in particular at the base of a wall. You can imagine the, the foundation is there, there might be old rubble there, there might be anything at mm. the base of the wall. So it's important to, um, uh, to improve the soil, dig it out, dig a good size hole. I would normally, for a, a climbing plant, dig a hole that's about two feet deep, two feet wide, incorporate some organic matter or some compost, mix it through the soil uh, and really prepare the soil well. Spend a bit of time doing that and then get in your plants and put them in about six foot spacings. So you can spread them out. Um, it'll seem a lot initially when you put them in, but it's amazing how the plants, most climbing plants are quite vigorous. So Virginia creeper, for example, will put on anything to four or five feet right. of growth in one season. So very quickly, it'll actually establish itself. And the main thing is to train the stems laterally. You'll often see on a on a telegraph pole or in a mm. wall where ivy grows from the base it's mm. very skinny and and bare really at the base of the telegraph pole but starts to fill out and bush out yes. as it gets uh, uh, higher and the same with climbing plants there the natural tendency is to go vertical to go straight up for the light and um, but you've got to kind of counteract that by bending the stems down and spreading them along the base of the wall that's very important. So you're
0: not left with a bare patch at the bottom.
1: Exactly. And and for in many, many cases, people would put, the, put them in and leave them on the bamboo canes that they purchase them on, tack them to the wall, and you get this empty V shape between mm. the climbing plants right at the base. So it's important just to spread the laterals out, tack them on with a few electrician clips, and that's it. Mo- many of the climbing plants are self-adhesive. So, the root on themselves, like Virginia creeper, like ivy, like climbing hydrangea, they'll actually stick onto the wall themselves. There's no trellis, there's no wiring, there's nothing needed once they get the initial touch of the wall or feel of the wall. And you just simply bend the stems down, tack them on, and um, by next spring, now the roots will start to grow through the winter. Mm -hmm. There'll be no obvious stem growth, but the roots will st- certainly start to establish themselves over the winter period. And then come the spring, you'll get that burst of growth. So, a really good time. And, uh, you know, there were, there were questions in terms of, is it the right time? So, yes, it is. Soil preparation is really important. The spacing around six foot is, is what I would put climbers in at and extend out the branches. If you were putting in, in maybe, say, less vigorous ivy, say some of the um, varieties like uh, gold heart, um, or gold child, they're, because of the variegation, because of less green pigment in mm. the leaf, they tend to grow slower. So you could put those in at shorter spacings, maybe four foot and they'll fill in that little bit quicker. Um, but the sort of plants I'd be thinking of, ivies are great because they self they root to the wall themselves. They're, there's such a wide variety of, of ivies available from mm. the rich greens to the variegated colours. They're all evergreen, so they'll retain the foliage 12 months of the year and they're easy to grow. And they also, once established, allow you to introduce other climbing plants like clematis, like honeysuckles, like the lovely... The lovely uh, tropolinium. I'm trying to think of the common name for it. It's it's the perennial nasturtium. A lovely the flame creeper. It's called. Um, It's called the flame creeper because the beautiful red flame-like flowers at this time of year. It's been flowering since July. That's a lovely little plant. If you've got established, I have it growing up through a beech hedge, a purple beech hedge, and it's absolutely lovely. And it needs no care. It's one of those really easy, like like the common nasturtium. uh, This is a perennial plant called tropolinium. what do I call it? The Scottish flame creeper. The
0: Scottish flame, flame creeper.
1: creeper. A really nice plant. If you want something to kind of scramble through an existing hedge or shrub or conifer or up through an existing uh, ivy bank or, yeah. or, or wall of, of, of foliage, it's a great little plant to put in and very, very easy to grow. It does die back in the winter, but reemerges in the spring. Right, a really nice thing
0: sometimes I, you do hear from time to time with climbers that uh, if they're allowed uh, to grow continuously, shall we say, that they can take over a small little bit. So well, it,
1: yeah, it depends, and it depends on the uh, the plant. I mean, there are climbers like Russian vine, and and really lives up to it. It's, it's, it's the common name for it is mile a minute vine because it grows <laughs> like literally
0: like a mile a minute. A mile a minute. Right. I mean,
1: it grows probably fifteen feet per year. It's a really vigorous. Uh, creeping plant and can take over in the wrong Mm. location so it's all about you know having the right
0: plant in the right spot yeah
1: and you know I often say like what is a weed you know a weed is a plant in in the wrong location right so uh, you know and and the same with the climber so you've got to pick a climber to suit the so if it's a small area well then go for something less rigorous like the variegated ivy maybe something like chenomelase the flowering quince which makes a lovely climbing plant pyracantha the firethorn again is really great evergreen uh, Creeper—it's—it's it's not really a creeper; it's more a wall shrub. Mm. And really, it's beautiful, covered in orange, covered in orange and red berries at this time of year. Really easy plant to grow. Um, evergreen retains its foliage, so that makes you know—if you have a six or eight-foot wall to cover—that's a really good plant. Or some of the variegated ivies, like Goldchild, um, they're—they're terrific because again, they're slow-growing in evergreen. So there's a there's a climbing plant to suit any location. If you want something a little bit more vigorous, climbing hydrangeas are very good. Again, they self-cling, and they produce those big hydrangea flowers in the summertime. Right. And again, a very easy plant to grow. Self-cling's on a wall. Um, you know, once it's in and, and tacked against the wall, off it goes and very, very easy to grow.
0: And do they have uh, t- the, the different coloured hydrangeas depending no, on soil? No, unfortunately. Or okay? You've
1: got, uh, no, it's Piseolaris, which is a it's, a it's a white flowering lace cap type flower. So the flower is about the size of a saucer and white in colour uh, and it, the flower faces out at you. So it's uh, quite unusual. Yeah, it uh, sounds quite stunning. Uh, yeah, it's quite, quite a nice plant. Stunning. Yeah, it's quite a nice plant. Something different. But again, I would introduce maybe a clematis or a honeysuckle or something just to add an extra bit of colour for the for the summer season. Ceanotus too is a lovely wall shrub. A bit like the that produces blue flowers in the summertime. And they're both evergreen and deciduous varieties of that. Ceanotus, if you want something a little bit different, yes. that wasn't too vigorous, but to cover a wall, then look out for Ceanotus. They're, they're, it's, it's quite a nice plant. They'll other one is passion flower, Passiflora. Passion flower. It's
0: red somewhere along well, the line.
1: Well, no, it's not. Okay. Actually, funny enough. And don't ask me. About, oh, yeah, they call it the passionflower the, the, the passion flower because it's it has a religious connotation. Oh, right. So they're, they're parts of the flower that are uh, associated with cruf, crucifix and and so on. Um, don't ask me to explain it. No, I'm not. No, 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 no. That's,
0: that's <laughs> very, very interesting at the same time.
1: But the passion flower, they do come in kind of shades of pink, but blue is the predominant color. And again, a good vigorous climber can be slightly tender if we get a very, very cold winter, but the sort of plant that would suit a seaside garden or a south facing uh, wall. And again, if you wanted something different, and it has a tremendous flowering period. It comes into flower in June, and it's still in bloom. And, and and it's vigorous. It is a vigorous climber, and you do need some support for it—some wires or trellis. Okay. But it's again, if you want it, just something something a little different, it's also a great climbing plant for a conservatory. If you had a conservatory that you, wanted you want to add a bit of colour in, Passiflora, the passion plant, Passiflora. often sold as an indoor plant, but will grow out of doors in this part of the country, certainly in seaside areas, and will also do very well as a conservatory plant. So I suppose just to recap. You know, climbers, they're dead easy to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, Soil preparation is important because once you put them in, and particularly once plants like ivies and hydrangea cling on to the wall, you don't want to be ripping them off to redo the planting. So spending a bit of time and a bit of effort preparing the planting hole is critical. Um, And then bending out of the stems, tacking them onto the wall... Um, and really, that's it. After that, for the first season, do keep them well watered because the walls tend to take up the moisture. Um, and feeding would be important then twice a year. Give them a handful of a tree and shrub feed in March and repeat it then in May. And that's really all this to it. Apart from that, then it's just maintaining it. Okay. And you'll often find the birds, the wildlife will use it. You know, in, in ivy is a great um, climbing plant to attract mm. nesting birds. Uh, will nest in it during the, the spring period so you get quite a nice habitat from okay, it as so well so you could
0: have kind of those what I say the cuter uh, garden birds shall we
1: say <laughs> <laughs> the cuter yeah, as yeah. opposed to
0: the, cr- the crows yeah. and the well, larger well that's it you will have all the yeah. small yeah. songbirds yeah. that will
1: actually nest in in, um, in in the likes of ivy or it makes a great uh, area for putting in nesting boxes because the ivy will grow over the nesting boxes and give the kind of seclusion that blue tits and robins Doesn't and swar- yeah. so on so look-
0: if, if you're looking to encourage uh, that kind of wildlife into your garden that's uh, yeah.
1: They do. Something that
0: might help us along Yeah,
1: we're often asked, do they they contribute to dampness? Mm. And they don't because if anything, the likes of ivy actually takes moisture from the wall. You'll never find a damp wall uh, with ivy growing on it because it actually takes, it's got aerial roots that actually suck the water off the wall. And, And indeed, the rain anyway is thrown off by the glossy foliage. Yeah. You do have to watch ivy in around Evrons or under slates yes. or in areas like that it needs to be trimmed back annually just to keep it. It's not terribly vigorous so it's not a big job to do but it's a thing to keep an eye on. Maybe every second year to go along and just prune it back from wherever it might be trying to... W- wind its way you know under a slate or in around an eve round that's the only thing really Um, and it can be trimmed back Uh, ivy because it's evergreen sometimes the leaves can be a bit tatty after the winter time Mm. so coming into the spring in March or April of next year take the hedge trimmers to it and give it a good hard number two shaving all back right right, right back to the stems and you get that lovely flush of new growth then next summer so it can be tidied back and trimmed up not at this time of year because it'll be naked for the winter but do it next February, March as we're coming into the growing season season. yeah
0: great So lots of information there about primers yeah, and, and different. And options. they are easy,
1: and they save you the need for painting walls. And you know, once it they fill the wall, that's it. It's that's the job. Yeah, you done have a nice between, bit of cover. Particularly the evergreen varieties. Yeah.
0: Okay, we are going to take a quick break. Actually, first of all, Porik. Um So questions in on 087-90-4141. If you have something that you'd like Porik to address on the program this morning, or indeed you can phone us either oh eight one eight three thousand fifty five. Okay, super range of questions in. Um, we're going to start That We were talking about wildlife there briefly, Porik, yeah. in terms of birds, but other wildlife in the garden and a friend of a friend <laughs> has got a, a new visitor to their garden in the form of a hedgehog. Oh, very good. So yeah. they were the wondering, what, w- what is to, there what, a way to maintain do? the hedgehog or do you do anything or yeah. you just leave it to its well, own first devices? first of all,
1: hedgehogs are the gardener's friend because they hoover up all the slugs and the snails and they just ravish them. Now, you
0: see, I think they weren't that enamoured uh, with this hedgehog. Oh, they but now they will be. Oh yeah! yeah. Oh
1: no! They're the gardener's friend. I mean, they're they're they should be encouraged into the garden. And this is a time of year when you see them. Um, and during the winter period, particularly as it gets colder, they tend to hibernate for certain periods. And as the weather gets milder, then they'll come back out and start to feed. Um, what you can do to keep them and encourage them in, mm. in the in the garden is to buy purchase like the nesting box for the bird. You can actually buy a hedging. Uh, cabin or a hedge- hedgehog home. Right. So it's a small little um, wicker device. A uh, small little. Uh I suppose it's only about two foot by maybe eight inches or ten inches high. The type of thing, the type of, of structure that you can slip in under a, hu- a hedge or a shrub or an area in the garden. Somewhere to think, yeah, I was
0: trying to think, do, do hedgehogs burrow? No, like, no. The,
1: ten, the tent and nest. Under leaves and under leaves, things like that. Under leaves, yeah, so yes. They want a dry, a dry cool area to, to hibernation. They just curl up in a ball and during the cold, colder parts of the winter they stay dormant and then as it gets milder, this sort of weather we're having at the moment, they're out and they're foraging and they're building up their en- energies for the winter. And they t- predominantly feed on slugs and snails. That's the main... So they're, they're a welcome sight around any garden. Right. Um, and to encourage them and to keep them, if you put a small hedgehog home, mm. you, you can buy them in your local garden centre. They're available at this time of year. But just slip them under a, a hedge or a shrub area and, and that will... That will, that will encourage them, Absolutely, medic. and they'll stay around for the winter period. Okay. The other thing you can feed them with is, believe it or not, a little bit of cat food or dog mm, food. That right. type of um, um f- food will will again he uh, you know keep them in the the garden area so a little bit of that as well um but not too much because you'd have other predators or other other, other visitors yes, the yeah, yes yeah right yeah, so those others. but yeah the, swifter the, ones yeah, yeah. yeah they are to be encouraged they're great to see them in the garden do encourage that and uh, by putting them in the small Hedgehog home the Hedgehog will will the, take residence there, there and be of great benefit over the, over the and I, I I always you know you often see them uh, as road Kill yes, it, unfortunately, know, yeah, all, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean. Well, it's
0: the, it's the only time you see them because it's, I suppose they are nocturnal. They largely. are nocturnal
1: and they're slow moving, mm. and, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of them end up yeah. as roadkills. So do encourage them in the garden. I mean, they are going to benefit your garden okay. and they're totally harmless. Okay,
0: so there's a very organic way yeah. of dealing with They're not going to do any, any harm to slugs? your plants.
1: Or, or, you know, they don't mm. damage trees or shrubs or anything like that. I
0: suppose the only thing is if you had <coughs> pets now, that might
1: be. They won't really, you know, because the hedgehog is well fit for for, 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 for dog. For, for a dog. For a dog. For a up,
0: Yeah. Right. An inquisitive and, and dog. Just thinking in our own house, I dog, don't know how well. One, dog, one of the dogs definitely doesn't let things go. Yeah. Um, but but there's,
1: there's very little the dog can do. do in, and, and, and the hedgehog will just roll up, and, roll up right, and wait for him to right, get fed to get up. Right. He's tired. be And wildlife in general, dear. we are coming into that time. Now, it is a great year for fruit. On, on wheat, I think I mentioned that last week. I was actually looking at some holly plants again this week. They're loaded with berries. The, 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 the lovely sorbus are covered in berries. So it's a great uh, fruiting year. So the birds are actually going to have a bumper year. And people are, are actually have mentioned to me that they're not noticing the birds around in the garden. And that's mm. because they've left the gardens and they've gone out foraging on. The winter Don't berries, agree. the haws now are beginning to ripen. The, the mountain ash in particular is lovely this year. And holly will start to colour up. So the birds are going to be out feeding over the next three to four weeks um, in the hedgerows until the migratory birds come down from Norway, until the weather gets colder in Norway and the Nordic countries. And you will get a huge infestation then of of blue of, um, blackbirds and thrushes and so on. They're, they tend to be that bit bigger. Yes. You'll see them back in your gardens. But it is a good time to start putting up the the nut feeders. And it's also a good time to put up nesting boxes. Even though the birds nest in the spring, if you put them up at this time of year, they've got a time to weather and and to, to lose the kind of
0: the a newness, really. The
1: newness, exactly, and to take on the kind of natural smells that the birds will use next February and March. So uh, we often think of it in the springtime, mm-hmm. and it's a bit late. So again, I would encourage people if they are want a little bit of wildlife uh, into their garden. And mooney on RT is great for encouraging yes, that. Yes,
0: definitely.
1: So this is the time of year to put up those nesting boxes and to put up the peanut feeders and start to encourage the birds back in and help them to build up that energy for the winter period.
0: Okay, and I suppose the key message as well then is if you do bring them in from a gardener's point of view, you're. Actually, pre- presenting or you're introducing um, a kind of a preventative Absolutely. to these other insects that yeah. cause you a problem later yeah. in the summer.
1: But it's also great for children, like schools, I'd encourage mm-hmm. them to put out a little bird table or some feeding and it's great for the children to watch the birds. Uh, and they will come back day after day after day to, to keep feeding on the nuts. You'll yeah. train them into so that habit. they know it's a good house. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. So there you go.
0: Okay, so that's wildlife <clears throat> and hedgehogs. Um, now, questions. A spotted laurel and winter with Julia. Is it safe to move them in November?
1: Yeah, well, again, um, spotted laurel is an evergreen plant, a really good plant and very, very easy to grow. I would move that in springtime. Generally evergreen plants, plants that retain their leaves, are better moved February, March, early April, as just before we go into the springtime. Um, Deciduous plants like Wegelia, which is a deciduous shrub, it'll shed its leaves about the middle of November. So anything that's deciduous that you want to move, so if it's Hypericum or Hydrangeas or, in this case, Wegelia, wait until the foliage has dropped. And the same applies to broadleaf trees. If you want to move uh, a mountain ash or whatever, a tree in the wintertime, wait till all the foliage has gone off, and that's the time to safely dig it up and replant it. The main thing to remember is to put it down at the same level that you took, took it up at. People often think if I put it down another six inches, it'll be a that's little bit firmer, right. and that causes problems. You're putting the roots too deeply, and they're not getting the sufficient oxygen that they need. So it's critical, and you'll often see you'll see the mark on the plant where the soil, the original soil level was, and that's the level to put them back down at. So it's too early to start moving plants yet. I would wait until the first or second week of November and from once the foliage has dropped off the plants, that's the trigger to start lifting. And you can lift plants right up until the springtime. Conifers, uh, spotted laurel, things like rhododendrons are better moved in early spring. So February, early Marches. Right.
0: Now a plum plum trees that have yeah. no fruit, what should one do?
1: Well don't the first thing is not to panic. Because as I I said last week, plums are shy to fruit. It often takes them five or six years to come into fruiting and they tend to do a lot of growing. Or alternatively, you can have a year where the plums produce a mountain of fruit, buckets of fruit, and then, hey presto, they they forget to fruit the following year. They put all the energy back into growing. So, And that's typical of of plums, it's to be expected. And it wasn't a particularly good year this year for plums because they tend to flower early. And if you remember back in March and April, it was very, very cold. So I'm not seeing a lot of heavy crops of plums this year. The thing you can do to encourage them into fruiting is to put sulfate of potash on them and I mentioned that before that potash counteracts nitrogen it's the element that encourages fruiting and flowering in all plants so you can buy a simple small box of uh, sulfate of potash, two or three handfuls around the base of the the plum tree and that'll help it. It settles down the growing and it helps all trees to produce flower buds for next year Mm -hmm. so if you've got any plant that's shy of flowering or fruiting then sulfate of potash is a great it's a great um, element. It's the key element that so encourages. encourages. Yeah, so <clears throat> when you buy your tomato feeds, they're high in potash. K is the element. Remember it's from potassium. your school days, yeah, potassium. Exactly. So that's the element that you look for to be high. So in tomato feeds, it's always the element K is high potash because you're encouraging flowering and fruiting in tomatoes. And the same thing applies with all fruiting plants. Just buy yourself a small tub of sulphate of potash and sprinkle it around the base of the plant.
0: Excellent. Now, a listener has some <coughs> dahlias. Lots of dahlias still very much indeed yeah, in bloom at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but this particular listener is wondering uh, when that time has passed, what can one do with the tubers or yeah, well, the bulbs? Yeah, it? yeah, they're,
1: they're growing dahlias. Um, the most most dahlias are grown from tubers. So, like a potato root, it's the tuber. It's got fingers thick swollen fingers um, wait until the frost kill the, the dahlia back and that might seem a tad late but that's actually the right thing to do leave them in the ground until about the first week of November because you're dead right with this sort of weather they're going to continue to flower right up till possibly the end of October so about the first or second week of November or whenever we get the first real blast of frost that's the trigger to lift the dahlia tubers out of the ground okay. now the, some people leave them in and they get away with it mm-hmm. but the benefit of lifting them and storing them for the winter is that you can split them and divide them and propagate them for next year And they're very easy to store. Like storing potatoes, they need a dark, cold area. One key tip is to put on a little bit of sulfur. You can buy a small little tub of yellow or green sulfur, which is a fungicide. You simply put it on, sprinkle it on top of the dahlia tubers and that prevents any rotting. For the winter. So you dig them up in the first day of the first day or two of heavy frost, you shake off all the soil from them, cut up back all the stems, tidy them back, leave them somewhere to dry out in a garage for a day or two, and then go back again and take off any dry soil. So clean them up then about the middle of November and store them in apple crates or Box, cardboard boxes, anything at all that will hold them for the winter. Sprinkle on a little bit of the sulphur onto the tubers and you leave them, you forget about them until the next February. At that stage, you repot them, you can subdivide them, mm. like splitting a potato, mm. you can split split up your dailies into twos and threes, or you can let them grow and you can take cuttings from the new growth. So that when they, when they, if you put them into pots in March or April of next year, they'll produce lots of new shoots, like potato sprouting, and you can take those as cuttings and root them and you've got yourself a new dahlia plant. Right. So it's a great little way of propagating and maybe give them to friends because they are extremely uh, easy to grow. And My, my great uncle Patsy, Patsy Horkin, yeah. is a dahlia fanatic.
0: Really? I've
1: learned it all from him. <laughs> he has kept dahlias for years and years and years and this is the method that he he learned from his own mother and still puts it into use. So and he's some really good, real old varieties, okay. uh, treasured varieties. So. That's exactly what and, he does, and that's
0: how he maintains them.
1: That's how he keeps them. Fantastic. He just lifts them in the in the in the winter, uh, labels them, of course. Yes. Because you forget. Important. Because you Very don't know, forget Yeah,
0: yeah. Even though you think, ah, oh, I'll remember that, but no. Yeah, do You, you forget label them, so
1: lay them. Even if it's only to label the colour rather than the variety, so that you know what you've got, and the next spring, as they start to sprout, you can take cuttings or you can divide them and give them away to family and friends.
0: Excellent. Now, a contorted witch hazel park. Yes. Uh, <clears> is it possible to remove some of the small side shoots and <clears <clears replant them? For new plants?
1: Well, the answer is yes, you can, but the, the, you won't get the contorted hazel. So to explain what the con- contorted mm. hazel, as the name suggests, it's got contorted, twisted. twisted stems. And the story is that it was found in hedgerows a hundred years ago. Right. As, as just as what we call a sport in nature where a plant produces something unusual, something different. It could be a, a different coloured leaf or for whatever reason, okay. uh, the, the, the natural plant produces something different. And in this case, the original ha- hazel plant produces a twisted stem. Which was taken and grafted onto a normal hazel. So when you buy a contorted hazel, so you're buying it for this twisted stem, and florists love it because it's got beautiful. It literally like a like yes. a like a corkscrew, yeah. wine corkscrew. That's the way that the stem grows. It grows in spirals.
0: So it's something that happened <coughs> by a happy accident. By the sounds of things, it did. Somebody spotted it, uh, took it, uh, propagated it, and. There we are. Since here
1: we are today, and and it's a lovely it's Amazing. a lovely architectural plant in the garden because it has this very very particularly in wintertime when the leaves go off it it produces this lovely spiralled stem which you'll see from a long distance and it'll grow anything up to about six or maybe ten feet depending on the garden so it's not terribly vigorous but it does make a reasonably large shrub over time but the florists love it because it's great in flower arranging right. so from it's kind of,
0: it's aesthetic properties aesthetic
1: and exactly no it is it is slow growing um and you know it's going to take a number of years before you can start really start cutting back a lot of the stems with it but what the listener is talking about is it because it's grafted like apples are grafted onto mm-hmm. rootstock or roses are grafted on rootstock the roots are different the contorted part. So if you propagate and often what happens you get these what we call suckers the, the rootstock throwing up uh, ordinary hazel stems up around the base so it happens at ground level where the two plants have been joined together. together. So you need to take those off because if you don't remove them they're going to take the vigour. They're going to be more vigorous than the contorted piece. And they're actually going to dominate and take over, exactly, and going to spoil the effect. So the first thing is to remove all of those. There's no point taking them as cuttings unless you want to grow them on as hazel plants, but they won't have the contorted stems. Does that all make sense? It
0: does. So it's <laughs> kind of where I, I, I've done it, it's where, where they where it developed by accident yes, originally.
1: What we call a sport. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but it's because it was a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to make sure that it doesn't kind of revert back to where it came from. Yeah. Well, it, well it, because
1: it's grafted onto the onto the mm. uh, to another hazel, the common hazel. The common hazel is of course trying to grow in its own right. It's throwing up its own new shoots and you know trying to reproduce in its own right. And so you need to remove those. So when you see a sucker around the base of a plant it yeah, applies to apple trees, it applies to plums, roses uh, and in this case hazel, you need to remove those because they're going to be the dominant species and they're going to take over from your nice contorted plant. So my advice is if you want another one to go in to your local garden centre and buy one, they're not that expensive you get a very good contorted hazel for about 20 euros and you'll have it for a lifetime The other plant that's actually quite nice when I think of it uh, for florist arranging is the contorted willow and it has contorted stems, but why I like that one is it grows very vigorously. Right. So it's the ideal one for florists really in that it, it you can cut it all you want and it'll reproduce and grow. It'll grow probably four or five feet okay. per year.
0: And did it develop from a sport?
1: It did. Right. The same. The, the same, same way. Same way. Yes. And in and usually with the willow, it's the leaves are contorted as well.
0: Also, if you're looking for something really nice yeah, and twisted. <laughs> something
1: different. Well, particularly for summer use, yeah. it would be the, the yeah. willow would be quite nice. So both, But both good plants and the contortailus is, is particularly nice in gardens. It's just something different.
0: Right, we're going to stay with rootstock for just a second oh, right, more. Okay, so right. We'll right. move on to another. Yeah. Um, somebody would like to grow some apple trees on wires as a spalliers. Okay. Uh, what number rootstock do you recommend as there seems to be a lot of difference in opinion? Yeah,
1: and, and it's a great way of growing apples and probably something we don't talk enough about. Um, you know, you've got your tradi- traditional method of growing the apples in normal bushes or or, or trees. But a spalier is a method of growing them on, on a fan or fan training them out. Like on a wall, up against a greenhouse maybe, somewhere that you've got a flat surface and you want to grow either a plum tree or a peach tree or it can be an apple tree or whatever. So it's a method of training the plants so they take up minimal space generally against a wall or against a set of wires and you train them in that fashion to create this kind of like the fingers of your hand into a kind of a fan shape uh, what we call an espalier Um, and the fruit will produce the same size fruit um, and it's a great method of growing apples but the, the trick is that you want a rootstock uh, that's going to slow down the growth of the of the Something espalier. So you don't want a, a, so an, that's tr- not going to grow really exactly. High. And that you're constantly cutting it back and trying to keep keep it maintained. So generally, espaliers grow. People train them up to maybe ten feet in height and maybe eight to ten feet in diameter. So you know it'll cover a large size wall area. And you need a moderate, what we call a moderate root stock. So my advice would to be go for either M twenty seven, which is a relatively slow growing or sorry M26 which is a a relatively slow growing rootstock particularly if you wanted say an espalier under 8 feet so if you had an 8 foot high wall maybe 6 or 8 feet wide go for M26 look for that rootstock and you can grow any of the varieties Beauty of Bath or James Greve or whatever if you want something a little bit more vigorous you've got Mm -hmm. a taller wall and you want something a little bit and something maybe quicker to grow and quicker to come into fruit there's a very good rootstock called MM106 so ask in your garden centre when you're buying the trees what rootstock and it's generally lay on the label, it will tell you on the label what rootstock the trees are actually uh, grafted That's onto. On so yeah. the, the rootstock determines how vigorous the plants grow. And particularly if you want small trees that behave themselves, then look for dwarfing rootstock. So in my, my case, if you want uh, M26 would be really good, or MM106 if you want a slightly larger tree, 8, maybe 10 foot in height.
0: Okay, very good that's lots of information okay, there
1: we're very technical we are this gone very <coughs> this technical this morning Well, <gasps>
0: actually we're going to take it back down from All less right, deep good. Deep 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 bring deep me deep down, down to yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to take another quick break it's coming up on 21 minutes away uh, from 10 o'clock you are listening to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio and we're back in a few minutes you're very welcome back to uh, the programme um, now I know we were saying we were a bit technical there Porek but we're going to bring it back down okay. a small little bit yeah. um, somebody wants to plant some lettuce plants now they've just cleaned out their raised vegetable beds and they okay. want to reuse the space if possible oh, so yeah, perfect. is it yeah. ok to plant yeah, lettuce now? Absolutely. yeah absolutely and, and
1: the weather conditions are a- absolutely ideal and I think a lot of listeners would be digging out potatoes and cleaning up the veg garden uh, with, the, with the sort of weather we're getting but it depends what the listener had in the, in the raised beds but the first thing is To obviously dig over the area or fork it over lightly, mm. take out any weeds that are there, incorporate a little bit of fertilizer. So I'd put in a small bit of Vitex Q4, a handful of that, shaken into the, the raised bed, and rake it in, and then you're ready to plant. So lettuce plants, it, the sort of plants that are available at the moment are things like the butterhead lettuce, which has lovely, soft, um, salad y lef- lettuce, a really soft variety. A lovely one then called Little Gem. It produces nice, small, tidy heads.
0: Crisp. It's a very it's, it's crisp, yeah. but not too crisp. Yeah, it's, yeah,
1: exactly. It's kind of in between. Between an iceberg and the and the, the butterhead, yeah, ones, a yeah. really nice one called a Little Gem, very winter hardy as well. That's quite a good one. Um, you've got the iceberg, of course, which can be planted this time of year, and varieties like oak leaf which has that lovely oaked-like foliage, but it's kind of reddish in colour as well, so it adds a nice bit of colour to salads. So any of those are winter hardy. So a Little Gem, Oakleaf. Uh, the butterhead or the iceberg they can all be planted they're available in garden centres at the moment and things you can also put in things like winter cabbages available at the moment the pak choy the, the Chinese mm-hmm. leaves are available at the moment um, the purple sprouting broccoli might be a bit big for a raised bed a bit, but yeah. certainly for a, an open garden area it'll grow about three maybe four feet in height but that's a great plant to plant at this time of year so there's lots winter onion sets which if you plant now they're available in the red skinned varieties which are nice and mild yeah. or the regular Onion, Japanese onion sets. They're totally win- winter hardy. Uh, if you plant them now, they'll, they'll actually grow through the winter period. And they're ready for scallions in February, March of next year and as full-grown onions in May and June, which is a time of year when onions are expensive to buy. You tend to get a lot of Spanish onions coming in. But, uh, you know, the regular onion tends to go up in price, believe it or not, because you're in that lull period. Right, of,
0: because, because our own ones, as a rule, have to right, come in.
1: They, that's it, they're not yeah, ready till yeah. August. So that's so Japanese onion sets, I, I'd nearly forgotten about those, they can be put in at this time of year. For same, You plant them exactly the same as the ordinary onion sets. They grow through the winter period and you can pick them then come the spring. And of course, gar- garlic is the other one that you can put in at this time of year, which again grows through the winter period. So any of those will work really well in a raised bed or in a vegetable it's garden. in an the- area where you're cleaning out, you might have grown a few spuds or whatever. Yeah. It's it's an idea. Now, if you if you did grow cabbage, say in that raised bed, then try and put the lettuce in there, right. or put in the uh, onions, put in something different, and where you you know put the
0: so move positions move, move around, around rotate, rotate, around yeah, bit, yeah, rotate the rotate,
1: positions yeah. around and that's it and a little bit of the Vitex Q4 that's a great fertiliser for vegetables um, a handful of that raked into the soil will make all the difference
0: excellent now uh, a listener is wondering is the Osmo lawn feed okay to use on a new lawn it's sown since May this year they've cut it about six times oh yeah
1: no, it'll be perfectly safe it won't do any damage the Osmo will give it a nice green colour for the autumn but more importantly it'll nip any moss that might be starting so get the Osmo moss remover it's a full feed autumn feed but it's also Got that moss remover as well. So if you put that on now, it'll give the lawn a lovely green colour without forcing growth, and it'll nip the moss in the bud as well. No, and the weather conditions will be ideal, ideal. for getting it on. So nice, even application, and that's and it. The way you go. Yeah.
0: What was it, you said, to kill the slimy green algae on the gravel path and when to use it? I think we talked about this briefly we last week.
1: We did. That's, um, that's um, Nostok. Oh, uh, which is a, yeah, it, it can be very dangerous in wet weather because it absorbs moisture and becomes very slippy. The, the treatment to use it is patio magic. That will control it very quickly. And it, patio magic is also great for moss in general that's beginning to reappear back on paving slabs. But particularly that Nostok, you know it because it's like jelly, like balls of jelly, particularly right. after wet weather it tends to just swell up and and you get it around farmyard areas or even around... garden areas. Yeah, anywhere it's damp and...
0: In town areas even.
1: Down, and yeah. it's the sort of um, algae that actually withers to nothing. You won't see it in the summertime. When, it's just,
0: cold, when there's no moisture. Yeah, and
1: you think it would die with the lack yeah. of moisture. Comes but back, once yeah, yeah, once the weather kicks off again, so it's a very persistent, but the patio Magic will control it, definitely. Yeah,
0: Excellent. Uh, listeners, Roses has just finished flowering. Do they cut them back now or leave them to spring? Uh, will they flower again this year? Yeah,
1: there's, there's all the chances they'd flower again. So what I would do is cut them back by half. Just trim back all the old flowers take them so if they're 3 feet high take them back to about 18 inches give them another application of rose feed so that'll kick them back into growth Growth. and like we're still in mid-September you know the chances are you could have some blooms by Christmas again so it's worth it'll all depend on the autumn it'll all depend on how how cold the winter is Yeah, but you could certainly Particularly if they've gone out of flower, cut them back by half, give them a handful of, of feed, and that'll kick them back into growth. And if you get a bit of good weather in October, you'll get some blooms back on them again. Excellent. You'd also have roses flowering very late into the yeah. I suppose you do period. see
0: sometimes the climbing roses, particularly, yes. seem to be maybe that they're hardier as such. Aren't well, they? and the,
1: the, well, they've also got the shelter of the wall. You see, yeah, yeah, so they're they're taking so. the heat, and it's amazing what a couple of degrees you know that the, the wall is trapping the heat during the sun, in the the daytime. It's giving that heat back to the rose plant, so it's actually growing that. Bit faster than mm-hmm. something that might be more exposed. So oh, yeah, okay. you go. there you go.
0: Every day's a school day on this <laughs> program. I'll tell you, um, a listener, I <clears> would like to. Wo- they're wondering about herbs, getting herbs to grow um so that they'd have something at Christmas time. Can okay. they plant now for this purpose? You can, of course. What
1: herbs would you would you use at Christmas? Well, you might use a Which bit of sage, sage with the turkey
0: and some parsley. Bay leaf, yeah. yeah, always good in our house.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bay leaf, indeed. Yeah. 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 So the answer is yes, you can. Uh, parsley plants. I'm thyme all of those and they're all winter hardy they're all totally hardy so sage no problem at all get that into the garden makes a lovely shrub actually that particular plant there's many different varieties mm. of sage thyme very very easy to grow loved by bees in the springtime but very very easy to grow bay leaf the ordinary common bay makes a lovely shrub uh, rosemary oh yes absolutely Yeah. Uh, parsley Mm-hmm. So you buy plants of parsley at this time of year. And again, all of those totally winter hardy, maybe put them into pots and containers so they're convenient uh, for the Christmas period and keep them close to the house and they'll do very well in, in tubs and containers. Mm. Um, uh, so, and yeah, so any of those. Lots hi- of options there. Lots of options. And just go for the winter hardy uh, herbs. They're, they're still available in garden centres at the moment. Excellent. Good time to take cuttings as well if people have herbs. Uh, in their own garden and they want to propagate them because generally plants like thyme and sage they're not terribly long lived they tend to get a bit woody a bit old uh, particularly if you're not pruning them back on a regular basis so it's often a good idea maybe every five or six years to take some fresh cuttings and start the plants back off again so you know so you can, you can dispose of the older oh, plants true. so right. yeah yeah, so um, so great time to take cuttings, okay. but a super time to plant them, the, and all those plants are available, and all do well in pots. In containers pots. are out in the garden, so. Right.
0: And it is lovely to be able to pull a Isn't few uh, herbs, particularly and in, cooking. In, yeah, and
1: in winter time because the cold chilled yeah. you know, the chilled yeah. effect, it, the, the taste seems to be better.
0: Yeah, I I like I know they are available to purchase in supermarkets uh, yeah. and everything, but there's nothing quite Grown like in a greenhouse. Yeah, uh, there's Grown nothing quite uh, like pulling <laughs> <well on> your <laughs> own fresh exactly. parsley exactly. on Christmas morning,
1: and with the frost when the frost is on, think the flavour flavours. Kind better. of crisps up yeah, almost,
0: it does, yeah. yeah. Um, could we ask uh, how to get rid of we- the weed that wraps around a shrub it chokes the shrub? They don't know the proper name for it.
1: It's one called. Go on. Bindweed. Bind Bind weed. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, convolvulus, uh, bindweed, and yeah, it's a, it's a persistent old weed. It's a perennial, and um, when it wraps around a shrub or a plant that you want it can be difficult to kill to, because you can't spray it without damaging the, the actual thing. Yeah. No, what you can do and it would work very well at this time of year is to get some of the Roundup gel. Make sure it's the gel. I've mentioned it before, it's like hair gel. You can buy it in a little. It's tub.
0: great, actually. I've used it lately um, in my own, just at the at the back of the house where there was a bit of a crack and there was a weed starting right. to come up through it. Yeah. Um, but it was beside um, just grass area, and I said, "Oh well, rather than making a big mess, which I probably would do otherwise, got it a great right back in no time at all." That's and sh- sh- Shrivelled away. Shrivelled yeah. away. So
1: it's it's I Id- do exactly as like you described. We're rather than making up a big container of weed. Yeah,
0: kind of, you know, and it, th- not, well, I know it's not a huge job, but at the same time, it's a bit laborious. Yeah. Yeah. this is just literally out? Out. S- rub it on, and exactly. off you go. there you go. Yeah.
1: So, put a rubber gla- glove on when you're using it, and take the leaves of the convolvulus or the bindweed, and just give it a lick of the of the uh, it, the actual container, as you know, yeah. has an applicator, yeah, sure, so you, yeah. there's no you mixing or messing. You yeah, you simply put it onto the leaf. The 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 gel is con- is absorbed back into the plant and will go down into the root, and that's what you need. There's no point pulling the convolvulus because it's going to be back up next year again. So treat it to a, a little bit of Roundup gel. Put the rubber glove on your hand. Take the leaf in your hand. Wipe it onto the leaf. You'd want to be covering about fifty percent of the leaf, the total number of leaves. And it's great where you have it growing up through a hedge or another plant because obviously you can keep it off the hedge. Mm-hmm. So as long as it doesn't get on the leaves of the hedge, it's perfectly safe to use. So it's and it Very works. Effective, yeah. It works in all weeds. And like you said, on a patio, if you had a dandelion growing up, through yeah, and you just want to sort of spot some, treat or
0: something, yeah. that's a, the a grassy type of a thing. Anyway,
1: it's in it from memory. It's in a green bottle, yeah, um, a small little container. Yeah.
0: Flippy Liz That's
1: thing. the one. Yeah. That's the
0: one. There you go. Monkey Puzzle Tree Park. Two foot in height in a big pot. Good. Does it need any special care? Can we use tomato... Ma- oh, and then there's a separate question. Can we use tomato feed on citrus plants?
1: Okay, well, with the Monkey Puzzle, remember yeah. that it's a parkland tree. I mean, it is a, it's a very beautiful conifer, but it does need uh, space huge amount of space and so it'll do well in the pot for maybe a number of years but after over time you're going to get browning on the leaves and the lower leaves. Ideally it should be planted out into the garden but you need a large garden for it and you need a good quality soil for monkey puzzles because they often do well in gardens for maybe eight to ten years but as they start to grow if, if the soil condition isn't great they tend to lose the lower branches or they go brown and, and get discoloured. So look at it's going to be okay in the pot as a short term over the next two to three years. But think long term where you're going to plant it. That plant can grow anything up to 30, 40 feet. Um, It can grow certainly... 20 feet in diameter. So it's a large plant for, for any garden and you do need space for it. So temporarily over the next three to five years, it'll grow fine in a large pot. Um, there's no nothing really specific it needs. I would use a soil-based compost when planting it or take good quality soil from your own garden, mix it with traditional compost and put it in. Um, in terms of feeding, you can give it a light feed every spring, a liquid feed in the pot, but do bear in mind in time that plant needs to go out. And the bigger that it gets, the more difficult It is to plant. Have you ever seen them? The thorns on them. Yes. The the sharp. Yeah, they're just
0: they like they absolutely. (laughs) They they, and they grow. They
1: do grow. Yeah, I know somebody who has
0: one for all oh, a long number of years yeah. and it's massive right? yeah
1: they yeah. are and and so it, they do need space and and that's it the sooner you get it into the ground i think the better so maybe consider planting it this autumn out in the ground or give it a year or two if you want in the pot but it's going to be more difficult to pan- handle and manage as it, g- it gets, as it gets older. older in terms of the citrus there the, if you've got citrus they're the oranges the lemons that people grow in their conservatories you can buy a specific citrus fruit that has all the micro elements like magnesium and uh, they're important for citrus uh, built in so go to your local garden centre ask them for it's only a small tub it'll cost you a couple of euros and specifically for citrus plants rather than using the, the tomato feed will do no harm but you but can get a specific feed that has all the micro nutrients that are imported for c- citrus plants leaves keep the leaves really glossy I think I have a tub of it at home but I, I don't have the plant <laughs> don't any don't longer <laughs> Well, it, wasn't the first it looked very well for a
0: year though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the fertiliser that killed it. <laughs>
0: no, it. No, it genuinely wasn't believe me. It was one of my first plants. Anyway, yeah. there you go. Um, can we, is it okay to dig potatoes for keeping while the stalks are still green? Yes,
1: it is. And I, like the weather conditions are ideal for lift taking potatoes out of the soil. So I would say to you get them out now over the next week or 10 days because things can go terribly the other way and, uh, you know, the soil can just get very wet. So the soil is really workable at the moment. So my advice is to take those potatoes out now, clean them off, store them somewhere dark, uh, somewhere dry and uh, use them then right through the winter period. So yeah, get them out of the ground now over the next couple of week, over the next week or ten days.
0: Okay, last question for you. It relates to lilacs. Now, a listener planted lilacs about five years ago, and as yet they haven't flowered. They've fed them with tree and shrub fertiliser. Right. Wondering, would potash help, and if so, yes. when would be the best time
1: to put it on? Well, again, typical of lilacs, they can be shy to, to, to come into flower, and they tend to do a lot of growing in their formative years, and putting on the tree and shrub fertiliser encourages the growth at the expense of the flowers. It's not that you did anything wrong. You've met them plants lovely, big, strong, mm-hmm. robust lilacs. Now is the time to leave the, them alone. Right. A little bit of neglect is actually what they we'll require. Bring we'll bring them back into flower. And the potash actually does that. So a handful, a couple of handfuls of sulphur potash around the base of the lilacs will slow down the growth, as I said, with the apples or with the plums and help to bring them back into flowering. Now, lilacs flower in the springtime. Don't do any pruning with them. Uh, if you're doing any pruning, pruning you do it after flowering. And for next year, put the potash on a tad earlier. Get it on J- June, July sort of period. Once they've gone out of flower, sure. that's the time to reintroduce the, the sulphate of potash around the base. Okay,
0: so thing. we want to minimise the growth really this exactly. So, d-
1: yeah, don't be putting on any artificial fert- other fertilisers. Don't give them any more tree and shrub. You've done all of that. You've got them up to a really good size. Now the time is to get them get working them for you and get them flowering. So a bit of hardship. But neglect brings it on, brings it on, and a bit of sulfur polish actually helps to do that brilliant stuff
0: pork thank Thanks, you very Georgia. much in advance hope of tomorrow all. the very best of luck thank you from, looking uh,
1: forward to the match
0: a, a neighbouring county we'll all be cheering you all on and we hope that it really is uh, a double result yes, by tomorrow absolutely. evening uh, back with you again next Saturday all going well do stand by because Michael Neary is out and about and he's coming to you live from Elvery's and Castlebar after the news at 10 which is on the way next with Fiona McGarry from me Deirdre Kelly for the moment a very good morning